My apologies for missing my deadline. If at all possible, would you be able to schedule me for two weeks from now? That was me having to write an email of doom to my editor uh, for having missed uh, a book deadline that I had scheduled for her to edit for me. Hmm. I hate missing deadlines. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva. Welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we take a look at Big Dominoes. I'll see you soon. Me missing deadlines was not a good look. I had to figure this out fast because now I was involving someone else and I did not want to lose that particular editor. I liked her and she was already starting to book up. So I had to figure out something really fast. On a whim, I decided to go and get this book that I had been seeing, but I thought the title was weird. And I went on and got it and I read it and I started to experience breakthroughs. Yeah, breakthroughs. Well, let me tell you, I've mentioned the book before and some of you have actually gotten it. And um, I'm going to share some of the things that helped me get over that big domino obstacle. Yeah, that's what I'm calling my big domino. It's that big domino that you've got to push to knock down the path to get to where you need to go. It's the one standing in the way, and it usually takes some some oomph and some skill and some belief and all that other stuff to get it knocked down. So let's get on into how to knock down your big dominoes. All right, so I'm going to start with this book, and the book is uh, Unwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Now, let me tell y'all, like me, uh, Napoleon Hill's wife was not having it. He wrote this book after this, the success of Think and Grow Rich. And he wrote it and she was like, nah, dude, that's not the look we want to go for. She thought the book was controversial. And to be honest with you, probably, I'm not putting this in her, her mouth, but reports say that she talked him out of, um, of uh, producing it, publishing it. And it, after he died, all his papers and things reverted to a person overlooking his estate. And he wanted to publish the book. And his wife was like, nope, don't do it. So he waited till after his wife died. And then he published, uh, he gave the book um, over to the his successor. Now, this book was written way back in 1938, but it wasn't published until 2011. So, yeah. But I read the book. And like I said, it's a real easy read. And it's kind of cute because Napoleon Hill is pretending like he's having um, a conversation with the devil and that he's got him under uh, control and he's forcing him to answer his questions. So he's interviewing him uh, about the human condition. So let me cut to the chase. Here are some things that I I learned that have helped me. Now, I'm not going to tell you that uh, I don't have obstacles and that this works on everything. I am just going to put this out here for you that hopefully it's going to help you and give you the wisdom smack like it gave me. Okay. So 
the things that this book uh, set out to do were to give people uh, an allegorical look at the demons that we fight against internally and, and, and what we have to look out for. All right. So there were three main things that Napoleon Hill managed to cover in this uh, exciting and entertaining, quote unquote, interview with the devil. All right. So the first one, three things, remember? The first one was, is that basically there are really just two things that uh, rule our, um, our lives, and that is faith or fear. Okay. The number two thing is, and this is the one that really helped me with this particular situation, and that was, is that we all fight against, or not fight against, I don't even want to say that. Okay, so the second rule, uh, not rule, but the second lesson was that people have a tendency to be aimless drifters, and that's a way for quote unquote, the devil to get in and mess, wreck havoc. All right. And then the third thing was, is that there were certain things, seven principles, actually, seven principles we could use to escape the devil's grasp or this torment or, or whatever it is. So let me, let me get into this real quick. With regards to faith and fear, faith on the one hand was a kind of like a future casting of seeing that thing that is not real, but seeing it or imagining it or pretending that you have it and walking forward to it with um, a determination and even a confidence, okay? Fear, on the other hand, was when, uh, is when you have no um, ability to see that thing done. And if you do, if you manage to, you always see it as something that you can't have or you can't get to. All right. So faith is the opposite of fear and fear is the opposite of faith. And it was funny. Funniest thing is because in the book, the devil talked about these were the two things that people uh, had to wrestle with. And he even gave some examples of fears. And uh, one of them was fear of poverty. One of them was fear of death. And so it wasn't like these weren't heavy hitting and it wasn't like, oh, you got little, little, little pansy, little fears. No, they're really big fears. And so I like the way Napoleon handled uh, his writing of that to get those things across because it, it rang true. Yeah, we, we actually do have to wrestle with our mortality. We have to wrestle with the basic needs of our understanding. If you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of need, that little triangle, triangle where the base level of what you need to be viable on the earth is the basics. You need air to breathe. You need to be able to survive. And so that fear is a real thing when you're wondering about your ability to be viable and to have a quality of life. It's hard to have faith when you don't know if you're going to be able to have shelter and food and provision and take care of your family and all that kind of stuff. So that was really real. But that was the number one lesson. The second lesson is, like I said before, this aimless drifting. Now, let me just pause right now and tell you, this was the one that I was like, ding, 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 ding. For whatever reason, I had lost goal, the, the goal 
and let myself get into this drift of not having real direction. All right. And the thing is, is about drifting and aimlessness. It's not necessarily where you are um, just, you know, apoplectic or anything like that. No, it has some activity to it. And that's the problem. You know, when we are talking about this aimlessness and this this drifting, the word drifting itself has an action to it. You are moving, but instead of you moving like you should in faith towards your goal, you are being tossed to and fro by external, external things that tend to dominate our mind and lead us to nowhere where we go in circles and we it is because we have or I have I'm gonna take ownership of this. I have allowed myself to lose the reins of control on my logic. Now I was like, I can talk about the four brains and all of this kind of stuff, but you know what? I don't want to muddle this today. I just really kind of want to talk to you because I spent time on really wanting to share what was going to be the wisdom for that listener that is going to get their hands on this. You know, in my neck of the woods, they say, you know, that's a word. You got a word for me today. And that's what I really wanted to to bring. I wanted to bring a word, a timely word, to let you know that the big dominoes of life can be knocked over. And I'm using one of the greatest inspirational writers, if you will, to help to to, to get you to help that, help with that. All right. So this aimlessness eventually turns into this, um, well, in the book, Napoleon Hill called it a hypnotic rhythm. And he said that this is where you're drifting and you're aimless. So you become busy with trivial work and it becomes a permanent condition. You know, busy work. You're doing a lot and not getting anywhere. You're always active and it's you're spinning uh, your wheels. You're getting into a rut and it's getting deeper and deeper and you're getting exhausted. And that was my case. I was writing and I was like, this is crap. <laughs> this is crap. And I had to remember uh, some other things that are coupled with this. But before I move off of, move on to those other things, let me tell you the last lesson that uh, he covered in this book, those seven principles. Because we know these, excuse me, I got the hiccups, you guys, I'm sorry. We know these things, but sometimes we kind of um, forget them, okay? So here are the seven principles that he said we need to be really concerned with. Number one. You have to have a definite purpose. And whatever you do, you first have to choose a purpose. Now, I've talked about the difference between choices and decisions. And so with this one, I don't choose a purpose. I decide on a purpose. And these seven principles, I apply apply them to things. Not, I don't want to just categorically you know, say, oh, I'm doing this because things change. And I'm going to even talk a little bit about that with regards to the beliefs that we have, okay? So with the the number one, the definite of purpose, uh, definiteness of purpose, you need to decide on one. 
And it needs to be a big goal and it needs to move you forward relentlessly. And so with that, whenever I start a book now, now I'm not going to say it didn't take me a long time and I'm not going to say I missed deadlines, but I don't drift like I used to and get hopeless. I envision what the book looks like. I imagine myself holding the paperback copy of it. I I see the cover. I see it being purchased. I see the proceeds and the royalties being posted in my different accounts. And I hold on to that. And I also hold on to the fact that that this book is already finished in some reality. And I start to look at my belief that I am that version of me who has completed the book. And so that goes into my definiteness, definiteness of purpose. Number two is, this is a big one, you guys, mastery over self. Now, we already know it is a self-explanatory. You got to have some discipline, some discipline, okay? And discipline of doing what you say and saying what you do uh, take some time because you first, I have found for me with this mastery over self stuff, I can't just get into the doing. I have to become that person. So remember how I talked about in, in, uh, the first principle where I always start to be, will myself to be the Michelle who has already completed my task, completed that book. That goes into the second one, mastery over self. I will myself to be that version of me who is disciplined to concentrate, disciplined to stay focused, disciplined to give my best, and disciplined to work in flow at a high level of skill with a high level of challenge because each time I'm writing a book, I'm also trying to write better than I've ever written before at a challenging point. So I'm not just phoning it in, all right? And then, and with that, that leads me into the third one, which is learning from adversity. Now, y'all, this one will preach all day long. You know, failure, like I said before, um, to me, failure is the price of the tuition you pay for your success. You learn a lot from the failure, all right? And that learning from adversity it calluses you. Um, to borrow from from the ultra athlete slash Navy SEAL slash Army uh, Ranger um, David Goggins, Goggins he talks about callousing the mind. You know, making the mind calloused to adversity and to discomfort, and that's a, a um, contemporary way of saying. Number three, which is learning from your adversity and pressing on. Now, this is the next one, number four, that had me um, kind of convicted, and that is controlling environmental influence. It says who you hang out with matters. What your room looks like matters. Now, I'm a clutter bug. I'm just going to be honest with you. I am a clutter bug, and uh, that's not my ministry. And so um, when it gets to be too much, I have to pause and uh, get things back in order 
so that I can gain control over environmental influence. It's taken me some time to accept, not learn, because I learned this a long time ago, but to accept that the subconscious mind sees and pays attention to stuff that your conscious mind is not taking in. And when there is a lot of competing stuff going on, it is not at its level best to help you in your focus to do what you need to. So that was a big deal. So that was number four. Number five is time. You know, the thing is, is when you are trying to push over that big domino, sometimes it's going to take time to get out of the uh, the drifting, the aimlessness, the woe is me, the what am I doing? Why did I start this? <laughs> Can somebody rescue me or help me? You know, all the desperation we go through when we are endeavoring to to complete a task or to become something that we know we need to. And time, uh, you have to be careful with it because the longer you drift, the longer you are aimless, the longer you ha- you lack self-control, the longer you avoid adversity, that time can turn your drifting and your aimlessness into negative permanence. And you don't want that. Okay, it's like I said, that rut will start to become your grave. So you got to be careful with that. The sixth one is harmony. And that is you need to have harmony and balance. I like to say harmonic balance uh, with all aspects of yourself. So sometimes you might need to look at, are you mentally supported, spiritually supported, physically supported? Sometimes you got to get up and move your body. Sometimes you got to meditate and feed your mind and your soul. Sometimes you need to take a break and uh, regroup. Okay. And then the last one, is the uh, the seventh pr- principle is caution. Now, when I got to this, and I was like, "Oh," but it makes sense. And that caution is to always act, but always think before you act. And I, I really like that one. And it, it's because it makes it where you're not just in a knee jerk reaction that could lead you back into fear that would totally take you out of the faith to do this thing that you're supposed to be doing. And so I liked how he ended that. So let me give you a quick recap of those three of those um, seven principles that he gave. All right. That is definite of purpose, mastery over self, learning from adversity, controlling environmental influences, time, harmony, and caution. So the three lessons were the basis of whatever we do in life is couched in faith or fear. The lesson number two was that you need to uh, uh, abstain from being an aimless drifter. And you do not want to get into a a hypnotic, excuse me, a hypnotic rhythm of busy work and triviality over time because it will become permanent if you don't stop it because you'll be fooled into thinking you're doing something when you're wasting a lot of time doing nothing that advances you and gets you nowhere. And then the third lesson was about those seven principles that I just talked about. So now let's, I'm sorry if it made a noise, you guys, let me get down to the domino part and What I learned after this was, yes, this stuff is great, but now I have to get pinpoint accuracy. And so what I then do 
once I have reminded myself about repositioning myself in a point of faith, understanding that I am forward moving, I am no longer aimless or drifting, and that I am taking control and I'm employing those seven principles, I started to look for the one habit trigger that has been leading me off. And so like, for instance, for that particular book, the habit trigger was when, it, it was weird, but when I got to chapter eight and I noticed it, it was like, what is it with me in chapter eight of a book? Now, You folks out there with numerology, I know you'll probably have some thoughts on this or whatever. I'm not going that deep. I'm just saying that I I had to figure it out that for whatever reason, chapter eight would do something to me. And because I started looking at that, I then knew this. Now, there is a book uh, by Charles Duhigg uh, called The Power of Habit that I'm also going to be talking about right now. And I liked. Uh, what he had to say about um, habits and how he he was honest. Um, he, you know, he 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 told it like it was. You can't really replace a habit, but I mean, excuse me, you can't really do away with a habit, but you can put one in and strengthen it. And so what I learned was is that when you identify a habit, always have a replacement for it. Okay, and so what I did was, is when I got to chapter eight, I did what is called a reframe. He talks about it in that book. And so I started to reframe my behavior based on the trigger. And so my reframe for my chapter eight, no matter what book I'm writing in now, is instead of saying I have to get through chapter eight, I start now by saying, oh, I get to write chapter eight. And chapter eight is an exciting turn in my story. No matter what story I'm writing, no matter where I am in the story, I recouch it that way. All right. And so that has helped. Uh, I still have to fight and be very conscious, but that has helped. Now, this is a big thing, you guys. I learned this from Zig Ziglar and some other people about marketing and those kinds of things. And they say a cluttered or confused mind will not buy. And I turned that into a cluttered or confused mind will not progress. Okay. And the way I looked at that is I could only handle one belief at a time. And I didn't realize until I started going through this and putting together a framework and a ritual for me to be able to push down this huge domino that I was trying to tackle a lot of beliefs. And when I talk about beliefs, I'm talking about those inherent things that we believe, I shouldn't use a word to define a word, but that we accept as truth. And so the first one that I worked on because I was like, I'm taking one belief at a time. And that was my belief that that was at that particular point, that was all I could be as that was all I, who I could be as an author. And so I totally annihilated that 
me as an author was stuck at this point and I gave myself permission to be whichever author I need to be to get my books done. And so instead of saying, I only have one belief and it has to be small. No, I went for a big one. And so I've given myself freedoms to believe that I am the author, however she is to get the book done that I need to be. So that was the next thing. So I changed that one belief. And then I took a status step. Now I'm going to be doing a podcast about status. Status is a deep, deep thing. We don't even realize uh, it's culturally encouched and it, it does a number on our subconscious. Uh, but for, for today, I'm just talking about status as part of me taking down my big domino that was standing in my way of me progressing, growing, and keeping my confidence and getting, uh, regaining uh, my purpose as an author, as a creative being. And that was, I took one status step. And that status step was, and I, I still have it here, I wrote it down, it became a uh, one of my affirmations. And uh, so my status step was, and I, like I said, I wrote it down as an affirmation and it says, it is a foregone conclusion that I am a best-selling author for all of my books, okay? Now, what that did was, is that took me from hoping that I would do well on a book to upping my status to believe that I was a bestseller, which then started becoming true. And so I updated that. And then I created one ritual. Now, let me tell you really quickly, a ritual is a set of things that you do with some type of ceremony or some type of specialness around them. Sometimes it can be religious, but for the most part, um, Rituals, unlike habits, habits uh, can be very unconscious, but rituals are conscious and they are, um, they, they have a lot of focus and intention to them. And so my uh, ritual was this, that I would remember what Aristotle postulated. Now, he po- postulated this, people have said that they have disproven it, I don't care. It helps me. And that is, I remind myself that in my world, the uh, nature abhors a vacuum. So uh, horror, horror vac- vacuum is uh, how he said it in the Greek. But it stands for nature abhors a vacuum. And I believe in my world that when I sit down to write these books, that because nature abhors a, a, a vacuum, that my words are going to fill the book with the best, uh, best possible enjoyment that I can come up with. Okay. And because of that, I then go through and I remind myself of these things that I've talked about. Um, I go and I evaluate my, my habit triggers. I make sure that the replacement is there. I strengthen my belief that um, I am the best author and I have the freedom to be the best author I can be and to step my game up. 
and my status step. I have a new one, uh, you know, now that um, I'm a best-selling author. So I have a new one. And um, those are the things that I remind myself to do. Now, let me give you a wisdom smack for you because not everybody is writing a book. If you want to write a book, go for it. If you need some help, contact me, okay? I'm not going to write the book for you, okay? I do one-on-ones and I also have trainings, but you know, anyway. When you have an obstacle, whether it be a belief, whether it be something that you don't understand what it is just yet, but it's that big domino that if you can just tip that one, it will take down the rest of them behind it. This is a wisdom smack for you. And that is to reevaluate. Have you moved over to the fear side? If so, it's time for you to scoot your little happy butt back on over to faith and just believe and get an idea or pretend or imagine or visualize whatever it is that you're trying to get done is done. Now, you notice I didn't say you have to have a plan. I didn't say you have to know how it's going to happen. I didn't say you had to know where it was going to be, how it was going to be financed or when. I just said you needed to know what. So couch that faith in your what. And when I say your what, it doesn't even have to be a specific um, thing. It just needs to be the what that it's okay. And then the next thing is to remember, get some purpose. Don't be an aimless drifter doing busy work or just being um, externally pushed to and fro. Take back your power and determine that you are able to propel yourself into the direction you need to go. And then the third thing is to employ those principles that we talked about uh, from the book. Have a definite purpose. Master yourself. Learn from your adversities. Control your environment. Use your time wisely. Gain some harmony and always exercise caution. And once you've done that, if you want to borrow from what I've done, develop your ritual. Mm -hmm. And maybe you look for one habit, one replacement, one belief, and one status step to get you moving forward. So guess what? Yep, you guessed it. My time is up and I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast for Wisdom Smack. I'm going to see you tomorrow. And if you would, please rate, review, comment, and share. And continue to support our podcast by using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash A-M-Z. That's going to do it for now. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.